chapter ninety eight part one of the adventures of peregrine pickle volume two by tobias smollett this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ninety eight part one pickle seems tolerably well reconciled to his cage and is by the clergyman entertained with the memoirs of a noted personage whom he sees by accident in the fleet the knight had scarce finished his narrative when our hero was told that a gentleman in the coffee-room wanted to see him and when he went thither he found his friend crabtree who had transacted all his affairs according to the determination of the preceding day and now gave him an account of the remarks he overheard on the subject of his misfortune for the manner of the arrest was so public and extraordinary that those who were present immediately propagated it among their acquaintance and it was that same evening discoursed upon at several tea and card tables with this variation from the truth that the debt amounted to twelve thousand instead of twelve hundred pounds from which circumstance it was conjectured that peregrine was a bite from the beginning who had found credit on account of his effrontery and appearance and imposed himself upon the town as a young gentleman of fortune they rejoiced therefore at his calamity which they considered as a just punishment for his fraud and presumption and began to review certain particulars of his conduct that plainly demonstrated him to be a rank adventurer long before he had arrived at this end of his career pickle who now believed his glory was set for ever received this intelligence with that disdain which enables a man to detach himself effectually from the world and with great tranquillity gave the misanthrope an entertaining detail of what he had seen and heard since their last parting while they amused themselves in this manner over a dish of coffee they were joined by the parson who congratulated our hero upon his bearing mischance with such philosophic quiet and began to regale the two friends with some curious circumstances relating to the private history of the several prisoners as they happened to come in at length a gentleman entered at sight of whom the clergyman rose up and saluted him with a most reverential bow which was graciously returned by the stranger who with a young man that attended him retired to the other end of the room they were no sooner out of hearing than the communicative priest desired his company to take particular notice of this person to whom he had paid his respects that man said he is this day one of the most flagrant instances of neglected virtue which the world can produce over and above a cool discerning head fraught with uncommon learning and experience he is possessed of such fortitude and resolution as no difficulties can discourage and no danger impair and so indefatigable in his humanity that even now while he is surrounded with such embarrassments as would distract the brain of an ordinary mortal he is added considerably to his encumbrances by taking under his protection that young gentleman who induced by his character appealed to his benevolence for redress of the grievances 
under which he labours from the villainy of guardian peregrine's curiosity being excited by this encomium asked the name of this generous patron of which when he was informed i am no stranger said he to the fame of that gentleman who has made a considerable noise in the world on account of that great cause he undertook in defence of an unhappy orphan and since he is a person of such an amiable disposition i am heartily sorry to find that his endeavours have not met with that successful issue which their good fortune in the beginning seemed to promise indeed the circumstance of his espousing that cause was so uncommon and romantic in the depravity of the human heart so universal that some people unacquainted with his real character imagined his views were altogether selfish and some were not wanting who affirmed he was a mere adventurer nevertheless i must do him the justice to own i have heard some of the most virulent of those who were concerned on the other side of the question bear testimony in his favour observing that he was deceived into the expense of the whole by the plausible story which at first engaged his compassion your description of his character confirms me in the same opinion though i am quite ignorant of the affair the particulars of which i should be glad to learn as well as the genuine account of his own life many circumstances of which are by his enemies i believe egregiously misrepresented sir answered the priest that is a piece of satisfaction which i am glad to find myself capable of giving you i have had the pleasure of being acquainted with mr m from his youth and everything which i shall relate concerning him you may depend upon as a fact which hath fallen under my own cognizance or been vouched upon the credit of undoubted evidence mr m s father was a minister of the established church of scotland descended from a very ancient clan and his mother nearly related to a noble family in the northern part of that kingdom while the son was boarded at a public school where he made good progress in the latin tongue his father died and he was left an orphan to the care of an uncle who finding him determined against any servile employment kept him at school that he might prepare himself for the university with a view of being qualified for his father's profession here his imagination was so heated by the warlike achievements he found recorded in the latin authors such as caesar courteous and buchanan that he was seized with an irresistible thirst of military glory and desire of trying his fortune in the army his majesty's troops taking the field in consequence of the rebellion which happened in the year seventeen hundred and fifteen this young adventurer thinking no life equal to that of a soldier found means to furnish himself with a fusil and bayonet and leaving the school repaired to the camp near stirling with a view of signalizing himself in the field though he was at that time but just turned of thirteen he offered his service to several officers in hope of being enlisted in their companies but they would not receive him because they rightly concluded that he was some schoolboy broke loose without the knowledge or consent of his relations notwithstanding this discouragement he continued in camp curiously prying into every part of the service and such was the resolution conspicuous in him even at such a tender age that after his 
small finances were exhausted he persisted in his design and because he would not make his wants known actually subsisted for several days on hips haws and sloes and other spontaneous fruits which he gathered in the woods and fields meanwhile he never failed to be present when any regiment or corps of men were drawn out to be exercised and reviewed and accompanied them in all their evolutions which he had learned to great perfection by observing the companies which were quartered in the place where he was at school this eagerness and perseverance attracted the notice of many officers who after having commended his spirit and zeal pressed him to return to his parents and even threatened to expel him from the camp if he would not comply with their advice these remonstrances having no other effect than that of warning him to avoid his monitors they thought proper to alter their behaviour towards him took him into their protection and even into their mess and what above all other marks of favour pleased the young soldier most permitted him to incorporate in the battalion and take his turn of duty with the other men in this happy situation he was discovered by a relation of his mother who was a captain in the army and who used all his authority and influence in persuading him to return to school but finding him deaf to his admonitions and threats he took him under his own care and when the army marched to dumblain left him at stirling with express injunctions to keep himself within the walls he temporized with his kinsman fearing that should he seem refractory the captain would have ordered him to be shut up in the castle inflamed with the desire of seeing a battle his relation no sooner marched off the ground than he mixed in with another regiment to which his former patrons belonged and proceeded to the field where he distinguished himself even at that early time of life by his gallantry in helping to retrieve a pair of colours belonging to m's regiment so that after the affair he was presented to the duke of argyle and recommended strongly to brigadier grant who invited him into his regiment and promised to provide for him with the first opportunity but that gentleman in a little time lost his command upon the duke's disgrace and the regiment was ordered for ireland being given to colonel nassau whose favour the young volunteer acquired to such a degree that he was recommended to the king for his ensigncy which in all probability he would have obtained had not the regiment been unluckily reduced in consequence of this reduction which happened in the most severe season of the year he was obliged to return to his own country through infinite hardships to which he was exposed from the narrowness of his circumstances and continuing still enamoured of a military life he entered into the regiment of scots greys at that time commanded by the late sir james campbell who being acquainted with his family and character encouraged him with a promise of speedy preferment in this corps he remained three years during which he had no opportunity of seeing actual service except at the affair of glen's heel and this life of insipid quiet must have hung heavy upon a youth of m s active disposition had not he found exercise for the mind in reading books of amusement history voyages and geography together with those that treated of the art of war ancient and modern for which he contracted such an eager appetite that he used to spend sixteen hours a day in this employment about that time he became acquainted with a gentleman of learning and taste who observing his 
indefatigable application and insatiable thirst after knowledge took upon himself the charge of superintending his studies and by the direction of such an able guide the young soldier converted his attention to a more solid and profitable course of reading so inordinate was his desire of making speedy advances in the paths of learning that within the compass of three months he diligently perused the writings of locke and malebranche and made himself master of the first six and the, of the eleventh and twelfth books of euclid's elements he considered puffendorf and grotius with uncommon care acquired a tolerable degree of knowledge in the french language and his imagination was so captivated with the desire of learning that seeing no prospect of a war or views of being provided for in the service he quitted the army and went through a regular course of university education having made such progress in his studies he resolved to qualify himself for the church and acquired such a stock of school divinity under the instructions of a learned professor at edinburgh that he more than once mounted the rostrum in the public hall and held forth with uncommon applause but being discouraged from a prosecution of his plan by the unreasonable austerity of some of the scotch clergy by whom the most indifferent and innocent words and actions were often misconstrued into levity and misconduct he resolved to embrace the first favourable opportunity of going abroad being inflamed with the desire of seeing foreign countries and actually set out for holland where for the space of two years he studied the roman law with the law of nature and nations under the famous professors tolier and barbeyrac having thus finished his school education he set out for paris with a view to make himself perfect in the french language and learn such useful exercises as might be acquired with the wretched remnant of his slender estate which was by that time reduced very low in his journey through the netherlands he went to namur and paid his respects to bishop strickland and general collier by whom he was received with great civility in consequence of letters of recommendation with which he was provided from the hague and the old general assured him of his protection and interest for a pair of colours if he was disposed to enter into the dutch service though he was by that time pretty well cured of his military quixotism he would not totally decline the general's proffer for which he thanked him in the most grateful terms telling the general that he would pay his duty to him on his return from france and then if he could determine upon re-engaging in the army should think himself highly honoured in being under his command after a stay of two months in flanders he proceeded to paris and far from taking up his habitation in the suburbs of saint-germain according to the custom of english travellers he hired a private lodging on the other side of the river and associated chiefly with french officers who their youthful sallies being over are allowed to be the politest gentlemen of that kingdom in this scheme he found his account so much that he could not but wonder at the folly of his countrymen who lose the main scope of their going abroad by spending their time and fortune idly with one another during his residence in holland he had made himself acquainted with the best authors in the french language so that he was able to share in their conversation a circumstance from which he found great benefit for it not only improved him in his knowledge of that tongue but also tended to the enlargement of his acquaintance in the course of which he contracted intimacies in some families of good fashion especially those of the long robe which would have enabled him to pass his time very agreeably had he been 
a little easier in point of fortune but his finances notwithstanding the most rigid economy being in a few months reduced to a very low ebb the prospect of indigence threw a damp upon all his pleasures though he never suffered himself to be thereby in any degree dispirited being in that respect of so happy a disposition that conscious poverty or abundance made very slight impressions upon his mind this consumption of his cash however involved him in some perplexity and he deliberated with himself whether he should return to general collier or repair to london where he might possibly fall into some business not unbecoming a gentleman though he was very much mortified to find himself incapable of gratifying an inordinate desire which possessed him of making the grand tour or at least of visiting the southern parts of france while he thus hesitated between different suggestions he was one morning visited by a gentleman who had sought and cultivated his friendship and for whom he had done a good office in supporting him with spirit against a brutal german with whom he had an affair of honour this gentleman came to propose a party for a fortnight to fontainebleau where the court then was and the proposal being declined by m with more than usual stiffness his friend was very urgent to know the reason of his refusal and at length with some confusion said perhaps your finances are low m replied that he had wherewithal to defray the expense of his journey to london where he could be furnished with a fresh supply and this answer was no sooner made than the other taking him by the hand my dear friend said he i am not unacquainted with your affairs and would have offered you my credit long ago if i had thought it would be acceptable even now i do not pretend to give you money but desire and insist upon it that you will accept of the loan of these two pieces of paper to be repaid when you marry a woman with a fortune of twenty thousand pounds or obtain an employment of a thousand a year so saying he presented him with two actions of above two thousand livres each m was astonished at this unexpected instance of generosity in a stranger and with a suitable acknowledgment peremptorily refused to incur such an obligation but at length he was by dint of importunity and warm expostulation prevailed upon to accept one of the actions on condition that the gentleman would take his note for the sum and this he absolutely rejected until m promised to draw upon him for double the value or more in case he should at any time want a further supply this uncommon act of friendship and generosity afterwards had an opportunity to repay tenfold though he could not help regretting the occasion on his friend's account that worthy man having by placing too much confidence in the villainous lawyer and a chain of other misfortunes involved himself and his amiable lady in a labyrinth of difficulties which threatened the total ruin of his family m felt the inexpressible satisfaction of delivering his benefactor from the snare being thus reinforced by the generosity of his friend m resolved to execute his former plan of seeing the south of france together with the seaports of spain as far as cadiz from whence he proposed to take a passage for london by sea and with this view sent forward his trunks by the diligence to lyons determined to ride post in order to enjoy a better view of the country and for the conveniency of stopping at those places where there was anything remarkable to be seen or inquired into while he was employed in taking leave of his parisian friends who furnished him with abundant recommendation a gentleman of his own country who spoke little or no french 
hearing of his intention begged the favour of accompanying him in his expedition with this new companion therefore he set out for lyons where he was perfectly well received by the intendant and some of the best families of the place in consequence of his letters of recommendation and after a short stay in that city proceeded down the rhone to avignon in what is called the coche d'eau then visiting the principal towns of dauphiny languedoc and provence he returned to the delightful city of marseilles where he and his fellow-traveller were so much captivated by the serenity of the air the good nature and hospitality of the sprightly inhabitants that they never dreamed of changing their quarters during the whole winter and part of the spring here he acquired the acquaintance of the marquis d'argent attorney-general in the parliament of aix and of his eldest son who now makes a so great a figure in the literary world and when the affair of father gerard and mademoiselle cardier began to make a noise he accompanied these two gentlemen to toulon where the marquis was ordered to take a precognition of the facts on his return to marseilles he found a certain noble lord of great fortune under the direction of a swiss governor who had accommodated him with two of his own relations of the same country by way of companions together with five servants in his train they being absolute strangers in the place m introduced them to the intendant and several other good families and had the good fortune to be so agreeable to his lordship that he proposed and even pressed him to live with him in england as a friend and companion and to take upon him the superintendence of his affairs in which case he would settle upon him four hundred a year for life this proposal was too advantageous to be slighted by a person of no fortune or fixed establishment he therefore made no difficulty of closing with it but as his lordship's departure was fixed to a short day and he urged him to accompany him to paris and from thence to england m thought it would be improper and indecent to interfere with the office of his governor who might take umbrage at his favour and therefore excused himself from a compliance with his lordship's request until his minority should be expired as he was within a few months of being of age however he repeated his importunities so earnestly and the governor joined in the request with such appearance of cordiality that he was prevailed upon to comply with their joint desire and in a few days set out with them for paris by the way of lyons but before they had been three days in the city m perceived a total change in the behaviour of the swiss and his two relations who in all probability became jealous of his influence with his lordship and he no sooner made this discovery than he resolved to withdraw himself from such a disagreeable participation of that young nobleman's favour he therefore in spite of all his lordship's entreaties and remonstrances quitted him for the present alleging as a pretext that he had a longing desire to see switzerland and the banks of the rhine and promising to meet him again in england End of chapter ninety eight part one